John's Gospel, first chapter, first five verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let me pause. Who's the Word? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now that's, that's many of those sermons from the book of Romans that we've been preaching. The light came, the Messiah came, they didn't recognize Him. Let's go to the 14th verse in John 1. And the Word became flesh and dwell among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In Matthew 1, verse 23. Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. I can ask that question, why? Why? Why did He come? Verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. <laughs> Isn't that a glorious passage? When the fullness of the time had come. <laughs> Let's go to 1 John. 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. Let me pause. Manifested, made visible, made real, made where we could see and know. In, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us. How? That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world. And let me pause there. How did, they, how did He send Him? A babe born in a murder. In a manger, born of a virgin. That's how He sent Him. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world. And I can say why. That we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God. We pause there again. For we know we were all enemies of God. But that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. In this way, God loved the world. That He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have 
everlasting life. Isaiah 9, 6, we read earlier as we sang the song, His name is wonderful. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. One more verse, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. <laughs> Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we, we give You thanks for Your Word. And we give You thanks that from beginning to end, Your Word is about Christ. Everything pointing to Him. Everything with a plan and a purpose, Father, that You had for Your Son. And so, Lord, help us this day to honor Christ, this precious gift, that you have given. Help us to see Christ more. Help us to see you more in your great love. And Father, as always, should there be one here today who is, let you, who is yet lost and in sin, oh, Father, have mercy. Open their eyes to the truth of Christ and of why He came. And Lord, draw them to Yourself. Have mercy, I pray. In Christ's name, Amen. I want to read a quote taken from the opening of a sermon that Charles Spurgeon preached December 24th, 1871 at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. 1871, 150 years ago this week. And he opened by talking of some of the things that, that I talk about quite often when we have our communion service here. And in a sermon, he first talked about the Roman Catholic connection to Christmas, Christ Mass. And, and uh, he talked about, and you've heard me talk about the heresy of the Mass, the prayer of transubstantiation where the priest prays and the wine and the bread is transformed into the actual body and blood of Christ. No. No. Not to be represented again. His sacrifice was once and forever and for all time. Not to be represented. And, and that's how they would say it. You know, I, I, you'll never hear me say this represents, when we have the communion table, I'll not use that word. I used to use that word until I find out it is taken a totally different way by many. It represents. And that's not true. Spurgeon says that he abhors the Mass, and I would agree, but in the United States, we have a holiday on our calendar, December 25th. That is what? Christmas. It's got the name Christ in it. So I'm, uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then he talked about December 25th of not being Jesus Christ's actual birthday. And we know that's true. December 25th is not the actual day. It is several months 
uh, if you tried to pinpoint it, it would be several months from December 25th. Uh, scripture doesn't give us the exact day. You can kind of pinpoint a, a time frame, a bit of a time frame, but, but, uh, we don't know the exact day. And Spurgeon says, but, but, uh, man has fixed the day. And he even said this, superstition fixed the day. <laughs> and another point that he mentioned was that there is no scriptural mandate to celebrate the birth of Christ. And if anybody would, would tell me that, I'd say, you know, you're right. You're right. Uh, I can't go to a scriptural mandate where we are called to celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, we can go then and talk about remembering His death, just the words of Christ. That's why we have communion uh, every month here at Arcadia Valley Community Church. But there's no mandate given by Scripture to celebrate the birth and then Spurgeon goes on to say this, and, and I've read this probably a couple times throughout the years, but I want to read it again. He says this, after saying all those things, he says, Nevertheless, since the current of men's thoughts is led this way just now, I see no evil in the current itself. What, what's the current right now? throughout the world and in, in, in this country, what's everybody thinking about this week? Christmas. You, you can't avoid it unless you just hunker down in your house and not turn on anything from the outside world. You cannot avoid it in this country and in many parts of the world. You cannot avoid it. And then he goes on to say, because of this being prevalent, and remember this is 150 years ago, he says, I launched the boat of my discourse into that stream and make use of the fact. See, I like that. This is Spurgeon. Everybody's talking about it. I'm going to make use of it. I like that. that that's, that's how I, I look at, at this. And make use of the fact by endeavoring to lead your thoughts in the same direction. Since it is lawful and even laudable to meditate upon the incarnation of the Lord upon any day of the year. I believe everybody would say amen to that. It's scripture. It cannot be in the power of other men's superstitions to render such a meditation improper for today. Remember when he preached this. Christmas Eve, 150 years ago. Regarding not the day, let us nevertheless give God thanks for the gift of His dear Son. End quote. Regarding not the day, regardless of what you think about the day on the calendar, Always give thanks for the gift of Christ and of Him coming. Because is there ever a time when it is inappropriate to meditate and consider the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ? No. And if anybody would have an argument with that, there's something wrong, I believe. There would never be a time when it's inappropriate. So may we consider the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ every day of the year. 
May we remember why Jesus came to this earth that He created. Why did He come? We began looking at it last Sunday uh, when we uh, finally got down to the latter part of Romans, the third chapter. And, you know, Paul had just laid out the groundwork to say that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, that there is none righteous, no, not one, that all the world is guilty before God because of sin. He had just laid the groundwork to establish that as fact. And then he said, let's read from Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, made manifest, if you want to put that in there, is revealed, How was it revealed? (laughs) Through Christ. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because of His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus came to this earth that He created that He might provide redemption, Righteousness, justification, and be our propitiation for sin. That's why He came. Let's look at that Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. One more time. We read it earlier in the opening. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of as sons, when the fullness of the time had come, when the completion of the period of preparation in God's sovereign timetable of redemption had come. Everything from the birth of Christ previous was all preparation of Him coming. When the fullness of the time had come, When the law had fully accomplished its purpose in showing man his utter sinfulness and inability to live up to God's perfect standard of righteousness, God in His sovereign timing ushered in the new era, if I could say it that way, of redemption through Christ, the blood of Christ. God sent forth His Son. He provided the righteousness that man could not provide for himself, Jesus came. The Son of God, the King of glory, of infinite worth. And He had to come because it would take this to atone for the sin of mankind. Why did He come? To redeem those under the law. Those who could not live the perfect life to fulfill the law and none could. Paul explained it in Romans 8, verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did 
by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. God sent His Son, why? On account of sin. That's why He came. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words, to be born again. Jesus fulfilled the law. Living in perfect obedience, He satisfied the righteous requirements of the law. Having nailed them to the tree, to the cross. And by His perfect sacrifice upon the cross, by giving His life, shedding His blood as the once and forever perfect sacrificial Lamb, He provided perfect redemption for all who come to Him in faith. Believing, confessing their sin, receiving Christ, turning from their sin, and following Him. Now, born of the Spirit, and walking according to the Spirit, Jesus was born to die. Born to give His life a ransom, a payment for sin. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. That's why He came. In Matthew 18, verse 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Now sin had separated God and man, but but the incarnation, the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ bridges the gap, the separation. That, that lyric that we sang, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled by the blood of Christ. I think of of that, that separation. There, there was a song that was out years ago. Uh, Jesus was the bridge to cross the great divide. And, and, and I've seen pictures uh, where you have this great division, a, a mass here and a mass here and a space between. And then here you see the cross come and it bridges that divide between man and God for those who would believe. Christ came. To save sinners from wrath. That's why He came. That that old hymn, Man of Sorrows. Put that first verse up, Chase. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners, to reclaim hallelujah what a savior you see it's why it came we were ruined we were in darkness we were dead in trespasses and sins but Christ came to reclaim us to purchase us to redeem us hallelujah what a Savior. Unto you is born this day a what? Savior. Which is Christ the Lord.
But let's go, let's read a part of what, uh, what we would consider the Christmas story in Luke, the second chapter, the uh, 1 through 14. Luke 2, 1 through 14. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place when Canarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out to the city of Nazareth and to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And they brought her forth, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men that's Christ that's him coming I bring you good tidings of great joy ever thought about that great joy that's why Jesus came to bring great joy and when we are Born again believers and consider and meditate on the incarnation of the Son of God. Are we overwhelmed at the thought of great joy coming? A joy that once you have it, once you have been born again, having believed the gospel, having received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, nothing can take this joy away. Amen? Now, our happiness, we, we preached this a few months ago, our happiness is go up and down and all over the place, but joy never changes. Never changes. To have this joy, this, this um, John Piper describes it, indestructible joy. Indestructible joy, a joy that once you have it, it cannot be taken away. Let's go to John 15, verse Eleven, And we preached through John 15 again a few months ago. And this is Jesus as He was sharing with His disciples of, of the things that would happen as the time of the cross drew near. And He had just shared the story. Uh, as In my mind, I could picture as they're walking near a vineyard uh, to stop and, and Jesus giving this word picture, I am the vine and you are the branches. And then through all of that, verse 11, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. 
And then after this, they had entered into the Garden of Gethsemane. He had been talking about how he must go away, but that they would see him again. And, and it would be later before they could fully understand and comprehend what Christ was saying. But he said this, John 16, verse 22. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. And your joy, no one will take from you. And we know what many of these disciples faced, even unto death, as they served Christ. But I guarantee you this, no one took their joy from them. No one. So for those who are born again, born of God, born of the Spirit, we possess in Christ indestructible joy. I want to read several verses that talks about joy this morning that, that, that we might have this thought in our mind as we consider uh, the week that lies before us. And Galatians 5, verses 22-23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. In Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Psalms 5, verse 11. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see Him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible, unspeakable, and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. That's a great verse. This, that's Isaiah. That's 600 years before Christ was even born. It was the prophecies there that spoke of Christ coming and what He would do and why He was coming? Yes. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He hath clothed me in a garment of righteousness, of salvation. He has covered me in the robe of righteousness. That's what happened through Christ. That's why He came for all who would believe. Receive Christ covered in a robe of righteousness. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. 
We can take that today. The child of God. Can't the child of God say that? Your word to me. The joy and rejoicing of my heart. About Isaiah 35 verse 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Aren't you thankful for the day when all will be joy? All will be joy, perfect joy. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Spurgeon said this, another Spurgeon quote. Rejoice, O sinners everywhere, for the restorer of the castaways, the Savior of the fallen, is born. Join in the joy, you saints, for He is the preserver of the saved ones, delivering them from numerous perils, and He is the sure perfecter of such as He preserves. Jesus is no partial Savior, beginning a work and not concluding it, but restoring and upholding. He also perfects and presents the saved ones without spot or wrinkle or any such thing before the Father's throne. Rejoice aloud, all you people. Let your hills and valleys ring with joy, for a Savior who is mighty to save is born among you. End quote. Isn't that great? <laughs> and I don't know about you, verses were popping in my mind, and I know that was Him as He... He was considering all this. May we rejoice that a Savior was born. May we rejoice that He came to bring great joy. Child of God, may we marvel at the Incarnation. May we rejoice that we have received indestructible joy. May we always marvel that Christ came. Romans 15, verse 13, one more time. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who has the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in them the born again, the children of God, the believers. There's only one way to true joy, to have true peace. And that is, as the verse says, in believing. All joy and peace in believing. Believing what? Believing the gospel of Jesus Christ under the salvation of your soul. By grace, through true faith, believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Coming by grace through faith to Jesus. So you see, this is the believing that will save your soul. Not a, a made-up holiday believing that you might hear the bell of Santa Claus. That, that kind of hurts my heart when I see a shirt or see something, just believe. And, and I know so much of it is taken from the, that movie 
where the only way you can hear that bell ring is if you believe. And that, that believing means nothing. Absolutely nothing. But believing Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world who came because of sin to die on the cross, to redeem fallen mankind, to redeem all who by grace through faith would believe. Are you filled with all joy and peace in believing? Do you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit? Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb to give His life a ransom for many to bring tidings of great joy to pay in full the penalty of sin for all those who truly believe. John 3, 14-18 And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up why? Why would He have to be lifted up on a cross? That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's, that's why He came. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Is there any more important question that anyone can face than that of do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? Romans 10, 9-13, we read so often that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And we can believe from the heart because He takes out the heart of stone, the dead heart, and places in it a living, breathing heart, spiritual heart. And it's from that heart, you see, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from wrath. Saved from the penalty of sin. Call upon Him, believing, receiving, repenting, and giving your life to Him in service and love. That we might be able to cry out with thanksgiving, thanking God for the gift of Jesus Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 9.15 one more time. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Hey, well, let's read one more time Romans 15 verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Thanks for your mercy and love. Thank you for providing a way to you to bridge the gulf that had separated us. And we know that that way is Jesus Christ. The only way 
to you that no one comes to you except through Christ. So thank you, Father, for sending your Son, your only begotten Son. And help us, Father, even through a time such as this where there's so much celebrating going on that has nothing to do with Christ and the cross, that yet because there has been fixed a day by man, Lord, help us that we might use it to share the true gospel of Jesus Christ and of why Christ came. So, Father, help us. And, Lord, again, should there be an unbeliever that is listening to this sermon even now, I pray, Father, that you would have mercy, that you would open their eyes, that they may see you and your glory and your holiness and your perfect righteousness. And in getting a glimpse of that, they see their utter sin and separation from You. And then, Father, we know upon that understanding that You are drawing them to Yourself. So, Lord, give them faith that they might believe or that they might confess their sin. They might receive Christ. That they might turn from their sin and, and forever follow You. So, Father, help us to share the life of Christ, the, the, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection with a lost and fallen world. So we give you thanks. Thanks for your indescribable gift. That's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.